You know, for centuries, the ultra-wealthy have been putting their money where their mouths are by investing in fine wine. And now, with Vint, you can do that too. At Vint, we offer SEC-qualified investment opportunities of fine wine and spirits curated by our experts with portfolio managers. With Vint, you can invest and diversify into the most sought-after assets that have a history of price appreciation. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. Welcome to This is Civity. I'm Gina Valeria. This is Civity features people who are building relationships to dismantle inequities and strengthen communities grounded in respect and empathy. In this episode, we talk with Adriana Sanchez Solis. Policy and Education Program Manager in the Office of Equity and Inclusion at the Allegheny County Department of Human Services. Adriana's office worked with Civity as part of a Seeding Civity grant, and she discusses how Civity influenced her work. Welcome, Adriana. I'd love to hear about the work that you do. Um, Malka was telling me that you're very committed to inclusivity. Tell me, like, sort of the context of the work you do in Allegheny County. So the Department of Human Services has been around for a long time in Allegheny County. It's actually the largest department in Allegheny County. And so we, we're a bit of a behemoth of uh, institution, and we handle a lot of stuff um, anywhere from aging, uh developmental supports, behavioral health. And so it became very clear to our leadership that there was also a necessity for an Office of Equity and Inclusion as we move towards trying to close gaps and disparities and um, that that can only happen with a strong push uh, towards a culture change, right, within within the way that we operate as, as a government um, entity. And based on everything that was, you know, very apparent to our leadership uh, in 2018, September of 2018, um, the Office of Equity and Inclusion within the Department of Human Services was created. It wasn't a, a newer idea, the fact that we were doing equity and inclusion stuff, because DHS on its own had already been spearheading some initiatives related to equity and inclusion, but they were very siloed and living in different parts of the department. And so when the office was created, um, these initiatives were brought under the roof of um, equity and inclusion. So for example, um, the work on racial equity that had already been happening for some three to four years at that time in uh, child welfare was brought to live under the umbrella of equity and inclusion. Work that was conducted along um, the lines of sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression was also brought to live under equity and inclusion. And the work that was um, happening for immigrant and international initiatives um, came to be um, under equity and inclusion. So, so we basically just kind of brought everything together. Um, my role was created as well around that time to build capacity. And so we've been working to integrate all those efforts under the umbrella of equity and inclusion, and also launch a whole effort that is office-wide, like I said earlier, um, related to 
um, building strategic planning for racial equity for all of the department. I mean, it's wonderful that uh, I'm thinking about government bureaucracies and how long it can take to get things going. So it's nice that there were already some pieces in place that could be pulled together. Um, and I'm wondering if you could address uh, what were some of the challenges with um, working in a governmental context with the checks and balances and and all of that that come along with it to getting this program going into sort of starting to reach or uh, starting to make the impact that you were hoping to make? Right. I think one of the biggest challenges, and we've been really lucky to have been able to pull through this quite successfully, is to really gain buy-in from leadership because the ask came from leadership and the observations and, and the understanding that there was a gap and a need there came from leadership rather than, you know, from the bottom up, like it has helped us, you know, move the work along. But it is, you're right, it, it's very slow moving work. Um, there are a lot of moving pieces. We're a very, very large department with lots of, you know, different, you know, offices within it that in, in themselves have very different uh, work cultures. And so we're dealing with integration and that they're always moving parts, right? We're always building up and 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 then changing up and moving things around. So that in itself is is challenging, but not impossible. Um, we started off our um, strategic planning work, kicking off a um, institutional assessment, and this happened um, last year in November, and that was the first of its kind for the department, and it just really gave us a really, really helpful insight to the work culture and to the environment as far as, like, racial um, disparities, equity, what people thought about, you know, maybe for some folks, this was the first time they were hearing anything about um, racial equity or even disparities, right? And so it gave us an opportunity to just bring that data together and read through it and then just really like see where the gaps were and then address each one of them office by office. That was my next question is about Allegheny County itself. What are some of the challenges that you see particularly in your community that you wanted to address? Like that, what what's going on in your community that where this became uh, relevant? That's kind of a hard question to answer. We just know that there is definitely a lot of separation, segregation, even if you want to use that term, um, still, you know, like racially, Pittsburgh and Allegheny County is not any different than a lot of different places in this country, as far as, you know, disparities go, um, and about, you know, disproportionality, um, about overrepresentation of certain, you know, communities um, in, in, in areas like healthcare and mortality rates for mothers and um, overrepresentation in the child welfare system. So knowing that, uh, we definitely wanted to make sure that we were, you know, spearheading uh, this in a very progressive kind of way and in a very intentional way so that we can eventually potentially, you know, try to close some of these gaps. How did Civity uh, contribute or pay, play a role in the work that you're doing? 
the work that Civity does and the work that Civity was able to engage while we were with them through the grants that we received from them uh, was very pivotal in helping us kick off those difficult conversations with the staff. When Civity's grant came about, I um, had actually only been in my position for maybe a month or so. Yeah, that was like basically my first big project was to like put out this grant and, and you know, um, see if we were going to get it. And so this came about at a time when um, it was helpful because we were just all kind of doing the initial outreach to pivotal staff to have these courageous conversations, to really see each other's humanity, um, to really bridge uh, the gap across offices. Because like I said from the beginning, you know, because we have all these different offices that are very, very specific in what they do, we don't often, you know, work together. We work under the same roof, but not together. So so having Civity come and, and do a workshop and talk to us and teach us tools and, and, and ways in which we can um, bridge those gaps, it was very helpful in kicking off this project of, of changing the culture internally with the staff as a whole, with the goal that when we are able to see each other and really, you know, see each other and work with each other through our differences, um, that we can then do a much better job of, you know, providing for our most vulnerable populations who are those who we serve. I would love to hear if you have any anecdotes about how the civity work influenced your colleagues or any moments that you can remember where you saw that civity that civity stuff at play. That's a great question. You know, I think for me it's a little bit hard to draw on that right now because we've been working from home for so long that actually like seeing people is kind of like, who are you? What's going on? So the pandemic really played a, a huge role in, in cutting through a lot of the advances that we had made as far as that, like, human-to-human -human interaction. Because, I mean, we, we were sent home on March the 13th, and I've not been back to you know, having any human contact with colleagues since then. Um, anything that is kind of like what we're doing right now is basically it. So so for me, it's a little bit hard to draw on recent um, examples of that just because there hasn't been human interaction like face to face. But I do know that working with Riva and Malka and Palma on some of the things that they were providing supports for us, they were able to provide us with an activity not that long ago that we were actually able to carry out online that was very helpful in like building those little moments of civity, right? And it was it was an icebreaker. It was a fairly simple icebreaker that they provided to us to just really engage the group and conversation. And as we move the work forward in this planning for racial equity in the offices, it is my plan. And I have already shared this out with all the other um, colleagues of mine who are spearheading in each office that they're representing or that they're um, leading and guiding. Um, I plan to use those those little moments of civity and those icebreakers that were provided to us through this grant to continue to, you know, build those little moments of I see you, you know, and you see me and this is us yeah. trying to work through really difficult conversations. And, you know, we're going to do so in a respectful, humane way. 
So that was definitely for me anyway, I can only speak for myself at this moment um, that I was able to gain a lot of knowledge um, thanks to the work that Civity uh, was able to teach me. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, you said something, they're just simple, straightforward things, you know, and, and I think that's what, what Civity cares about so much is having that conversation before the conversation, which it's, it's so deceptively, well, in my, in my estimation, it's so deceptively simple, right? It feels like, why are we doing this? But, but, oh my God, it can have such a great impact. So I'm wondering if you'd be willing to just chat a little bit about that sort of deceptively simple nature of it and why you think it's so important to sort of do those simple foundational things when you're doing this work. Absolutely. No, I, I definitely think, um, as you, you know, said, deceptively simple, you know, yet so pivotal to setting the mood and the tone for the conversation that's to be had. If you don't take those first five minutes or so to really engage with your um, peers, in, in a human to human kind of way and, and, and create a conversation or a tone for the conversation, it could make or break the outcomes of what you're trying to do. And so, you know, just really take the time and, and ask a simple question that just kind of brings the tone, you know, to a certain level where we can then kick off and then, and then build from that. To me, that's the essence of whatever you're going to do. If you just go off and, you know, just like start rattling on questions and, and, and push back and, 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 and challenge, you're not going to get a whole lot of, of, you know, response from that. You have to really do take the time to be very intentional about how you're going to read the room and, and make sure that the room is ready for the conversation that you're going to have. Oh, I love that. Read the room. Be sure the room is ready. That is brilliant. Um, and, and I love what you said that, that, that the civity work is sort of the essence of really being able to have this conversation and to be intentional about it. Um, now, you may not be able to answer this because you did reference the pandemic, but I'm wondering in the context of what you just said, can you think of a moment with a colleague that you're willing to share where you saw this this work really make a difference or shift the conversation? I mean, again, you know, speaking just from my own experience, I have found the teachings of civity to be very helpful to me as someone who's pushing forth equity work, just in general, like I take those teachings not lightly because this is really hard work. This is very hard work. And, and, and given, you know, not just that it is hard work on its own, but that it is hard work considering the circumstances around us, not just this pandemic that is isolating us and, and, and keeping us away from our, you know, normal, which is, and I don't even talk about like normal going to bars and, and restaurants, but just human interaction, right? Like face-to-face -face human interaction. Do you add to that the political climate? You add to that, you know, the racial tensions, you add to that the economic uh, instability and, and so on and so forth. Like we are living in a very, very monumental time. And so to be able to still ground yourself and remember that we are still human, that we still, you know, need to be respectful of one another, that, you know, yes, we're all struggling in our very own unique ways, but we still have to carry this work forward and to do so in, in a kind, compassionate, 
again, I love using the word intentional because it's true. You have to, at this time, be very intentional about your next move um, and then just be very uh, kind and considerate to, to your peers the same way you would expect others to be. But like the truth is not everybody's that, you know, that tuned in. And that's okay because if they aren't, then that's on you. If you recognize that and you're tuned in and like you can like, you know, read what's going on with your your peer, then you can just be gentle and like approach things from a very, you know, gentle, humane way. You're listening to This is Civity. I'm Gina Valeria. We're talking with Adriana Sanchez Solis, Policy and Education Program Manager in the Office of Equity and Inclusion at the Allegheny County Department of Human Services. The work that Civity does really does help me every day, you know, ground myself in, in that, you know, gentle compassion um, and understanding. Oh, I love that. And gosh, I love that we're talking about the pandemic. I didn't intend to ask about it, but you're right. It's it's permeating everything right now, the pandemic, the political climate. There's so much context and, and specific events that are informing things. And you're right, at this time, uh, the work that Civity does is something to be intentional about, to consider, to stop and be reminded of. So you mentioned that you want to continue to use the civity work in your own life and in this pandemic context. How do you think the civity work can best be utilized when you're on Zoom with everybody, when this is the reality? Because of the work that I'm doing right now, which is specific to one of the offices within the department, we are using the theory of change to build up the momentum to continue to further this, this strategic planning office by office. And right now we are um, in the middle of normalizing conversations, providing data results to offices so that they can then lead the charge in the work that they're doing office by office, like I said. So part of that is going to be ongoing discussions and conversations about race in the United States, as that ties specifically and it relates directly to the office-specific work that they do, um, I think having these um, icebreakers and having, you know, all these uh, different ways in which civity, um, again, you know, helps kick off conversations is going to be really important really, really important for my work specifically. I plan on using it. I've shared it with my colleagues. I've explained to them the importance and, and the success rate of having conversations after having a civity moment with uh, the room. And and so I hope, I hope that that um, is utilized, you know, by others, not just by me, but by my colleagues as well. And we are working um, very closely together and building, you know, these, these different strategies to propel this work forward. So I, I feel very confident that folks were, you know, going to continue to utilize the tools provided by Civity to further the work. Did it surprise you how well something so seemingly small worked? Did it, did it surprise you, the results that you saw? Sometimes it really does. It really does because you like ask the question and you can just really like see like the, the spirits of the people just lift up, you know, like, oh, no one asked me that before. Like, I, I don't remember which one it was, but there was a question asked recently where even I, and it was, it didn't come from me. It came from some other facilitator um, at the beginning of a discussion. And, and it was such a pivotal, I think the question was, what is making you happy today? And all of a sudden, you could see everyone's faces just light up. And it's such a simple question, yet it's no one's really asking that. Because we are all worried and consumed about what is 
gonna mess me up today, right? Like what fresh new, you know, set of horribleness is, is gonna get thrown my way today, tomorrow, the next day, can wait till Friday, Friday comes, it's all the same, Saturday, Sunday, basically are the same, but like in different pajamas, I mean, yes. so, <laughs> <laughs> so to have the moment to stop and just be asked, what makes you happy today? What is making you feel happy today? Totally changes the mood of the room. Um, totally like puts people in a different headspace. And it really is just like, okay, let's get ready to roll now because we've already had this conversation. Everybody's mood is better. Um, you're thinking about what makes you happy, not what's daunting you today. And here we go. Awesome. I love that. Um, so I want to pivot a little and I want to ask you about how you came to this work. What is your story and what brought you here? Oh, goodness. Um, so, so, so we don't have drinks, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's a long story. I'm an immigrant to the United States. Um, I started this work. I honestly started down this pathway of discovery because of, of being an immigrant and because I wanted to know where I lived and what was the background and what's the history, like what, what's all this. I wanted to learn more about uh, racial differences in the United States and how that came to be. And, you know, really long story short, when I went to college, I, I did so with the intention of learning more about the United States and, and its composition and who all is here and why and how you all got here. How did I get here? And then it just really like spun into, oh, okay, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And I can be a part of that. And so I went from, from working at the university level, teaching and doing that work to really wanting to be a more hands-on part of the experience through the actual community. So I, you know, shifted intentions from doing the, the teaching piece at the formal, you know, college level to joining the nonprofit ranks, um, working specifically alongside uh, Latino community um, and vulnerable communities, uh, reaching out to folks on the um, healthcare end of things and creating spaces and opportunities for people that were really deeply impacted by not having insurance and things like that. And then moved on from there through, you know, the family supports, doing service coordination and helping families with that, coordinate, you know, their needs, particularly undocumented families. I called that when I was in the trenches with that, that was like service coordination guerrilla style because you have to know all the back doors and all the like, you know, back alleys and all the like little, you know, mom and pops, like off the, you know, beaten path, you know, places where you can guide community members so that they can get their needs met. Um, and then from there, I, you know, applied and, and, and became a part of this, of this project of this racial equity project at the county level. So yeah. How hopeful are you? Like what, what's your, what are, what are your thoughts about, I know the pandemic has put a wedge in things, but what are your thoughts about the directions that things are, that you've taken things, the directions that things are going? And you may want to even add, you know, what are you hoping for? Are you hopeful at all? And what do you want to see happen? I'm cautiously optimistic. I believe that people are not everybody, of course, but I, I think by and large, for what I have perceived in the work that I'm doing currently, there are lots of glimmers of hope. There is a lot of interest 
and there is a lot of um, curiosity as well, given, again, you know, everything that happened this summer with the murder of George Floyd, um, with all the, up, you know, upheavals and all the uprisings and all the civil unrest, I think that that has woken up a level of interest in a lot of people that we can capitalize from and like take from this momentum, you know, that that the civil unrest and all these, you know, turmoil has generated to create an impact is just a matter of keeping that flame alive and providing folks with the right tools, which include, you know, being very respectful of where people are. In, in their understanding of what's happening and what has happened in the past to get us to where we are today. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful that that uh, we can continue to keep this going and, and keep the momentum um, of people's like peaking curiosities right now as to like how they can do something to either educate themselves, impact change, you know, teach others, be better, you know, like all of those things. I, I think we have an, a good golden opportunity right now to just push really, really hard for some change. Oh, I agree. I and, and you said it. I love the way, again, gosh, I'm loving talking to you. The way you said it, people are curious right now. People are aware right now. They're curious. And and even if they're not, uh, if they haven't experienced the same things that, that um, you know, people of color have experienced, there's there's more of an interest than a pushback, even though the pushback is obviously still there. So you're right, there are some opportunities here. And, 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 and so how do you plan to capitalize on that curiosity, on that awareness? So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing now. I am going to continue to, you know, do, do my job. I'm blessed in the sense that I am already in this lane and that I already was pointed in the direction of making this work happen. I think that um, with, with everything that happened through this year that kind of opened the gate that otherwise was going to be hard to kick open um, for us. And so I'm just going to keep pushing forward and, and keep doing the work that I do every day and, and keep making myself available for folks that are curious and interested about, you know, what it is that we do and then just keep reaching out as well. Is there anything else that you want to say that I didn't ask you that you think it's important for people to know? In all of this, in, in all this work and in all this uncertainty and in all of this Groundhog Day, which is also something that came out of Pennsylvania, um, <laughs> um, and, and in this Groundhog Day, day kind of year we are all having, self-care is so important. And, and I know that that is, you know, something that's kind of like a buzzword now and people are talking a lot about self-care and it's real and it's so important because this is really hard work and it's really hard work on its own if you don't add all the other difficulties that we've all had to deal with this year. So making sure that you're doing things that are making you happy and, and that are good for you and that like keep you, you know, excited about what you're doing. That's super important. So definitely remember if folks are out there doing this work, remember it's okay to have days off. It's okay to be, you know, out of focus sometimes. Like we're all just doing our best. And <laughs> the important thing is that you like pick yourself up and clean yourself off and like keep moving forward. So that is so true. I'm actually, I'm right. I'm a former journalist. And so I'm writing a book now on teaching the intangibles of journalism. And I have a chapter on self-care and trauma because 
it is real and it is never talked about. It's certainly not in journalism, you know, and, and so I want to put it out there. I'll, it's coming out more now. I'm seeing there are more people starting to talk about it, but also with my, my students. So I, I currently teach at uh, Sonoma State in California and um, yeah. And my students, my God, it, 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 this, they're all right, but they're not all right. Right. So the, that self-care component, I find myself bringing that into the classroom and, um, and you're, and I'm, I'm thankful that the, that societally we're more open to it, but I don't think we're there yet. So I think you're right to, to drive it, drive home the point. Definitely. No, I, I think that's one of the things that is really helpful in the team setting. And in my office culture, we all are very compassionate to one another and we all are very understanding of each other. And while sometimes, you know, most of the time, really rather we're like off just each doing our own work, we, whenever we need each other, we're, we're there for one another. And I know that that is not the case for a lot of people. I know that people are very much um, isolated, like at home or dealing with their kids, dealing with work, but like in so many different scenarios. And so to know that you have that support is super, super important too. And just to know that if I reach out to my supervisor and say, you know what, I just don't have it to give it today. I need to take it you know, I need to take a break um, and to have a, yeah, that's okay. Respond to it. You know, that's important. And so hopefully folks out there have the same, you know, or similar as I do, but if not, just know it's okay. And it's okay to take a sick day for like a mental health day. Like that's something that I, you know, tell people to like, it's like, seems like it's such a groundbreaking idea. Oh, wait, I have all these sick days and I'm not physically sick, but I just literally can't bear to look at this computer for another second. Take it you have it, take it, allow yourself for that, you know, but it's, it's, it's easier said than done because the work's be piling on even more, you know, higher and higher. No, I hear you. You know, it's right. I, when I was in high school, which was a long time ago, my mom, who's very conservative and, and very Catholic, she was very enlightened in this area because I, I, I did fine in school. And so as long as I did fine, I'm like, Hey mom, I'm going to take next Friday off. I need to and she'd say, okay. And, and it, I mean, I know I was like, and, and I mean, I always did fine and never, had, but I knew myself, I needed a break. I just needed a day. And, um, and she supported that. So I, I'm so thankful for that, but also I'm glad we're doing it. And, and, and the point you made, or I was thinking as you were talking that to allow an employee or to allow a colleague to take a self-care day, there has to be trust involved, right? Like you have to trust that they're going to do their part, you know, like there's that. And I think that sometimes we build up such a culture of mistrust. You know, I wonder if sort of the civity work and the seeing work can also sort of build trust internally to, um, to help people. That's a really great point and, and something that I hadn't necessarily thought about, but you're, you're right. And I know when I talked to, um, when I did my little exit interview um, from the grant with like Malka and Palma and Riva, um, one of the things that they shared with me was that they were now working on these um, consultation parts of, of civity. And I don't see why you wouldn't be able to work specifically with managers and the way in which they um, treat their employees and the way that they show up for employees and, um, you know, have tools in, in their toolkit that are related to compassion and, 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 and self-care and trust. So it's a good point. Thank you to my guest, Adriana Sanchez-Solis, Policy and Education Program Manager in the Office of Equity and Inclusion at the Allegheny County Department of Human Services. 
This is Civity features people who are building relationships to dismantle inequities and strengthen communities grounded in respect and empathy. Civity's theme song is Common Ground, performed by Tommy Castro and the Painkillers, written by Tommy Castro and Kevin Bowe, and used courtesy of Alligator Records and Dangerous Entertainment. Thank you for listening to This is Civity. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.